Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. There's three topics in life that you're not supposed to talk about in polite company, right? Religion, politics, and money. Well, we'll leave out one of those today. No politics. Right now, I'd I'd probably feel more comfortable talking about politics for the next 30 minutes, but I'm not gonna, um, because we're gonna talk about well, not really religion either. That one's out too. We're, we're not really going to talk about religion um, because I don't even believe in religion, okay? I believe in Jesus, and it's a whole different deal. It's a relationship with Christ, and it's powerful, and all those things. And out of that flows all these other things. Well, we're talking about money. Okay. You're, you're going to be fine, okay? I'm going to be fine. You're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Look, there's no pressure in this. Look, in fact, uh, no matter where you are, I don't want you to feel any guilt. Okay, this is a no guilt message on generosity. Okay, I don't want you to experience guilt. You might experience conviction. You might experience some challenge. That's fine. But I do not want you to experience guilt. Um, In fact, I'm not asking you to even change anything of your past. Okay, we're not worried about going back and fixing the past. I'm actually actually asking you to look forward and what are you going to do starting today. Okay, notice the offering is already taken. We're not going to ask for another one as you leave, okay? Just, just relax, all right? It's good. Look, and if you're sitting in here this morning and you've given generously and you, it's been a practice for you to give generously, then, you know, you can sit here and just revel in the joy of knowing you're following God and you're doing it. But, but that doesn't mean God might not speak to you today, okay? I'm just asking everybody, just open your heart up for just a moment. Look, and, and those of you who are new today... <laughs> We don't do this often, okay? We don't talk about giving or money or any of those. It's, it's rare, all right? So just, if you're a first-time guest, I'm so sorry. Um, eat another donut. Do, you know, I mean, enjoy the day. Um, but okay, so we're going to get going, all right? As a church, one of our values is to be obedient in stewardship. Okay, so we're going to have to define that for just a moment. Stewardship is, is a steward, is somebody who directs or actively directs someone else's affairs. They're kind of like a manager, right? And a manager's not an owner. Uh, a manager's like a steward. And, and one of the first things we need to understand is that we are all stewards or managers of everything that we have. I realize in America we're taught that we own everything. You know, we own the stuff that we have, our cars, our homes, all this stuff. But really, we only get to, to manage it for a time. And we need to come to terms with the fact that God owns everything that we have. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians 8. But I want to give you some important information, background information as we get into that. And, and so two things that we have today that the people of, of the city of Corinth didn't have in the first century are these. One, they didn't have banks. Okay, I know that seems a stunner to you, but they didn't have banks who would loan money to you for personal debt and credit. They, they wouldn't do that. And number two, they didn't have a social service system that if you suddenly hit hard times, the government or a social service agency wasn't there to help. They lacked both of those gifts. 
Okay, so both of those, and, and however you feel in those things, whatever, but, but those did not exist. And so if you found yourself in a place where you needed help and your family wasn't able to help you, you had to find a wealthy person and essentially beg them to help you. Uh, they would become your benefactor. You would become their beneficiary. And, and you owing them money was a negative unless you liked walking through town with the wealthy person, telling people how amazing they were and how amazing they are, that they've paid your bills for you and how necessary and kind they have been to you. So if you like that, then can you imagine that? I mean, that would be relatively humiliating. Humiliating, I would think. And what you have to realize again is that, look, everything that was, is given to us is given to us by the grace of God. God owns it all. We're stewards, managers of what he's entrusted to us. And so you need to know at this point in this letter that Paul's writing to the church at Corinth is that the believers in Jerusalem were having a difficult time. They're facing hardship. Uh, and difficulty, and there were no social programs to help them. And so we read this, and you have to understand that background to understand as we read what Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And so here it is, verse 1. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it on their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. So, so Paul wrote this as a setup to the advice he was wanting to give to the church in Corinth, to the followers of Jesus in Corinth. And so it continues on in verse 10. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly, and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. 
Now, when you look at these, the, this passage of Scripture and the advice that, that Paul's giving, it's interesting because he's comparing the, the, the Corinthian church to the Macedonian churches and their eagerness and ability to give. And he, he literally is comparing them, saying, look, you see this one and this one, I'm comparing you. You, you know, he, he's saying, look, the Macedonian church is amazing for these reasons. And then the church in Corinth, they had been really eager to start giving. They, they were like, oh, we want to do this. And see, but here's what happened. The, the church in Corinth, as you read through the, the, the letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, they were always dealing with some kind of church struggle, okay? If it wasn't spiritual gifts, it wasn't giving. If it, they, they were going through numbers of things. And Paul's writing all this. Remember, this is a church that, that's relatively new, but, but had been established for some time. And they were going through struggle. And so he's writing this to them. And he gives them this instruction to help them navigate this, this tension and pain that they're in at times. And so they're going through this. And, and Paul's saying, look, you guys are really excited and like really wanting to to give but that was a year ago you started but you didn't finish it and so now i'm encouraging you to finish what you started and and that's kind of our first point today is finish what you started look we've done we've done some crazy things over the last year pretty pretty amazing things by god's grace and you know we bought a couple buildings this one and a, a building in in um uh, Osage County for, for the cowboy church down there, and um, we remodeled them, and remodeled the boulevard and the kitchen, and we're getting ready to do the kitchen at Chi Alpha for those that live there, that man, they're going to be thrilled by that because it's really cool. Um, parking lots, and we still have a parking lot out here, and so, you know, we've done some crazy things, but that's not what it's about, right? I mean, yeah, we've spent money, but those things are not the main thing. Buildings and parking lots and kitchens are tools to accomplish the mission of connecting people to God, to others, to their calling to reach our community. And, and so we're doing some great work, whether it be with children, and you hear what we're starting to do with, with uh, Celebrate Recovery, what we want to do. And look, if you, you've had any experience in this world, or if you've wandered through some tough situations with people that, that have gone through life-controlling things or just difficulties, in a, look, there's a reason why we feel like we want to launch this, because we just have walked through, I've personally walked through some things with people, and, and, and I, I just want to find another way to help people grow in their faith, and, and so Pastor Drawing's taking it on, and it's just, well, there's a ton of things that we yet need to do and need to accomplish, so we need to build upon what we're doing in, in foster care and with foster kids in our community through, um, you know, foster care, um, foster family recruitment and Royal Family Kids Camp and all those things, and what began uh, over, you know, about 95 years ago or so with the launch of Topeka First Assembly was reaching people who are far from Jesus. And, you know, it's interesting because what all started, and, and some of you don't know this, but what all started that launched First Assembly in Topeka and Topeka First that were part of and all that was a tent meeting. Like, I don't know about you, but tent meeting doesn't sound at all inviting for a Sunday. Can you imagine meeting in a tent, like in July or August? Like it would, it would be hot. Like, and I, you know, we, we had this great idea when we were in Illinois. I mean, I did, it wasn't my idea. It was a great idea. Great idea. Well, it was so much fun. They, they thought, you know what, one of these years for family camp, we're going to set up a tent and we're going to do church in the tent. There's a beautiful auditorium next to it, but we're going to set a tent up in 
July. Wonderful idea. My only responsibility was to set up projectors and run media stuff for that, which my re- projectors never recovered from the dirt. I'm just saying, they just, it, was just a, it was bad. And so it was a great idea. It was really cool. But man, people are just, you know, the hottest days on record. I mean, you know, we schedule stuff around here, like, and we're like, oh my goodness, would the weather ever cooperate, right? So that's what happens there. And, but look, there's something about what happened those early years People were willing to sacrifice all kinds of things to make something happen, and that was to preach the gospel, to reach people, to find people who would come to become followers of Jesus. And, and one of the things that the Assemblies of God, and you probably may not know this either, but the Assemblies of God started a, a, over 100 years ago, and there was a resolution made in 1914 at the second general council, they call it, second gathering. And I'll put it on the screen, because this is what it said. We commit ourselves and the movement to him for the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. Like, when you think about that, I mean, it's, that's a pretty audacious statement, pretty, pretty bold statement for a hundred and some people gathered in Hot Springs, Arkansas uh, in 1914. Like, you could barely drive places in 1914, right? And now we're like, Hey, you want to talk? I know you're in China, but let's talk through our phones, right? I mean, it's just a whole different world. And yet these people that gathered in that moment were like, we're going we're gonna to get together and we're going to be a part of the greatest evangelism movement the world's ever seen. They were either crazy or filled with faith. Here's what we know. We know 100 years later, there's an incredible number of people around the world who have come to faith because of our mission's involvement. Well, we need to finish what we started. We, would, we need to be a part of finishing that task of taking the gospel to every place. Well, the only way we can do that is through generosity, right? The only way that can happen is so, so we've got to finish what we started. We, we've got to finish the things that we've been part of in starting and launching all this. We've got to finish that stuff. Look, the next instruction from, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is to give proportionately. Paul's instructions to the Corinthians was this. Give in proportion to what you have. Okay? Give in proportion to what you have. Like, so what you have, give in proportion. So some people are going to give more, some people are going to give less, but it's going to be in proportion to what you have. Well, one of the things that, like, Ansel and I have done for all of our married lives and even before we were married is that we've tithed. Now, people have questions about that whole thing, but a tithe is 10%, simply stated. We've given 10% of our income every year for the last 30 years of marriage. We'll be married 30 years in August. I just rounded it to there. But we actually started that before we were married, and, and we started, and we just have given. And, and it's a matter of just giving. Why? Why is that? Is there, there's no magical formula. There's not like, oh, if I give this, God's going to do. He, he probably is going to bless us. But we're not going to talk about it from there. We, you know, look, we can talk about tithing from the original moment when Abram did it. Okay, Abraham came back from, you know, conquering something, I think. And so he comes back and he's, he's giving, you know, 10%. He gives 10% of all that he's gotten to Melchizedek. And that's the first place. It's prior to the law and all that stuff. So, so there isn't necessarily a principle there, but that's what it is. And so then it goes into further along in the Old Testament, and it's kind of there. And, and Deuteronomy simply says, and we're going to read the whole thing, but you must set aside a tithe of your crops, okay? Agronomy, uh, agricultural society, and 
one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. So that's, you know, that's here. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Again, we're talking about food. That concept shows up 29, 30 times in the Old Testament alone. Okay? Something like that. But it doesn't stop there. And Jesus told the Pharisees as he was correcting them, which he did often, right? I mean, he corrected the Pharisees many times. But in Matthew 23, 23, it says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So, so look, again, giving is part of a total piece like part of following Jesus, it, we've got to do the other things as well. We have to do justice and mercy and faith and all those things, but we should also tithe. Jesus says that. So we should give proportionately. Look, for those of you that don't give at that, just start someplace, and that's part of what we're talking about is, is start somewhere. The next piece is give, give eagerly, and we, we're not going to spend some time. If you want to talk further about this, we will. Give eagerly. How many of you, like, have had children and you ask them to do something. Okay? Giving eagerly is the opposite of that. Okay? All right? Does that make sense? Because, uh, you know, like you, you, you know, or as like all of us, uh, at some point in time, whether you are still or not, you were a child, right? At some point. And how many of you remember like you're being asked to do something? Like I got great like illustrations right now at the moment. Like, the two, our two foster boys are amazing, right? They're really cool. But, um, like, if I ask them to do something, I can tell right away whether they want to or not. Okay, like one of them, one of them, he'll, he'll, he'll like, ask them, who you take out the trash? Right? I mean, it's, 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 it's a, like, you can tell, like, he's going to do it, but he doesn't really want to. All right? I mean, hey, I've been there, okay? I'm making fun of him, but I was just that person, all right? I was terrible. My parents, they're fortunately not here, um, so it's good, because um, there would have been like loud shouting right there, because it, probably words like hypocrite, talking about, other, you know, talking about the foster kid, and, and so I had to make sure that I got that on, you know, because I'm guilty, man. I was terrible, right? There's an, op like, that's not eager, right? I mean, that's like, I'm going to suffer through it. That's what that is. Eagerly is the opposite of that. When, you know, when there's an opportunity to give like this, God's wanting eager. Okay, God is wanting people to give eagerly. Giving is in a response to all that God has done for us. That's what it's about. Okay, so the fourth point is Give according to what you have, not what you don't. Okay, that, I mean, it's, you know, Captain Obvious statement for a moment, but th that's what the scriptures teach. Give according to what you have, not what you don't. The Corinthian church was instructed to give from what they possessed, not what they didn't. Okay, the same instruction goes for us. Look, don't dream and don't say, you know, when I, when I get to there, I'll start giving. Okay? Like, don't look out there in the future. It starts today. I mean, it starts, like, you don't have to dream about how much money you're going to make until you decide to start giving. And to illustrate it, I'll give you this one. 
giving in the depression, like the Great Depression, okay? There's a little quote here from Relevant Magazine on the screen. Christians are only giving at 2.5% per capita currently, while during the Great Depression, they gave at a 3.3% rate. Okay, now just illustrative purposes. <laughs> How many of you think the economy's in slightly better shape? I mean, I know there could be, you know, complaints about it all, but how many of you think the economy might be in slightly better shape than it was in the Great Depression? <laughs> okay. Those of you who didn't raise your hands, I'm scared. But, um, <laughs> you, know, the, uh, you know, I know if, you know, in the winter we're not so sure that the economy is doing well if there's, you know, the prediction of a snowstorm. Because, you know, bread aisles, like, disappear, right? I mean, like, like people are like, oh, no, we're going to, you know, we're not going to be able to live for a day. I mean, you know, so uh, it's, it's crazy. That, that was, I wasn't here for the Great Depression, contrary to what some might think. But I was not. Uh, that was another reference of foster kids because one of them tells me I'm as old as dirt. Um, Whoo, thank you. We'll remain nameless. Uh, maybe they both do. I don't know. Um, but, you know, giving starts right where you are. It starts right where you're at today. And then the, the last thought from this whole thing is to give generously. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 2, and 3 says, but they were they also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it on their own free will. Now, look, no one is asking you to give what you can't afford, okay? Well, there's a reason why we teach and promote Financial Peace University, okay? We don't want you to give what you can't afford. There's times that God may speak to you and say, hey, give this, and you'll be like, there goes, you know, something that I was planning to do. And that's okay. That's not a problem. But, but Paul, again, compared the giving of the Corinthian church to the giving of the Macedonians, who gave in the midst of extreme poverty, they gave more than they could afford. And, like, I'm not asking anybody to do anything crazy. Like, you have to pay your bills, you take care of necessities, but there's something to be said for sacrifice, which is not the American way, right? So as we start to wrap this up today, I want you to think about, for just a moment, I want you, I want you to dream with me. I want you to dream with me for just a minute. What, what could happen if all of us, well, just listen to God and start to give at some level that he starts to speak into your life. Now, I'm not trying to, st I'm not trying to bring any kind of guilt trip in this, all right? I'm not trying to push you. I just want you to, to simply say, Lord, what would you want me to do? What, what would you want me to do? How would you want me to give? Well, in case you're concerned, look, one we're never going to call you about your giving, okay? You're never going to call for me. Uh, hey, this is Pastor Steve. Um, I noticed, no. It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. No one is ever going to. In fact, I love the fact that, that we try to give, do give it. Now, somebody has to enter the stuff, and it's not me, but somebody enters the stuff in a computer and that whole thing. I love the fact that it's anonymous because I don't need to know. I don't want to know. I don't care to know. What I want you to do is just do what God wants you to do. I want you to do what God speaks into your life, and I just want you to just, just relax. 
I'm never going to say anything to you. None of our pastoral staff are ever going to say anything to you about giving. We're not going to say anything to you about your giving. Not, we're not, we'll, we'll teach it publicly. We'll have you go through financial peace. But, but I want you to dream with me just a moment. What would happen if all of us gathered in this room and all of us that call our church, our home church, what would happen if we all started to give like God wanted us to give? What would happen if every follower of Jesus in our nation started to give the way God wanted to give, kind of from this 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and it goes on to verse 9, and God loves a cheerful giver and all this. It goes on in that. If everybody would start to give at that level, what would happen? What would what could happen? Let's just say rule, just, 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 let's just cap it at 10%. Let's just say that every follower of Jesus in our country would start giving a 10%. Cap it right there. There would be an additional $165 billion for churches to use and distribute. The global impact of that would be phenomenal. Here's just a few things a church could do with that kind of money. Now, again, we're, we're talking about the world now. We're talking about everybody in the United States. We're, we're talking about what would happen in the world. $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and death from preventable diseases in five years. 12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. 15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically in places in the world where 1 billion people live on less than a dollar a day. 1 billion could fully fund overseas mission work. And that would leave 100 to 110 billion left over for additional ministry expansion. I mean, like that, what could happen? Let's just say, what could happen if one church, if one church, or the church in one city in our country would do something like that? I'd like to see it. I'd like to see what could happen if we, again, if we were really faithful and obedient in our stewardship. And, and, but that goes two ways, right? It goes two ways. It goes us as individuals and then us collectively as a church that we would use what's given to accomplish the plan of God in our city and in our world. That would be amazing. See, what, what's happened, here, here's what's happened, is, is God somehow has has enabled the church in America to give towards missions and do something that is amazing around the world. Look, right now we are blessed. We're, we're sort of in the place of what the church in Corinth had. As Paul explained it, he, he said, look, you, you, you right now have plenty. Later on, the church in Jerusalem 
will have plenty. And they'll be able to help you. And it'll be equal. It'll be, it'll be fair. And, and so basically what's happening is right now we're, we're in a window of life where God has opened up for the church in America to have affluence and resources. And we're able to use those resources to accomplish something that is Jesus' sole reason for coming to earth, the salvation of people. And so we're able to use resources to do that. And, and God's asking, what, what, could, what could happen if we all stepped into that? If we all stepped into that? And, and again, hear my heart. I, I want you to just ask God. If I didn't do what I'm speaking to you about, I wouldn't speak to you about it. If I, if I didn't lead the way in giving, I, I, and I don't know, like I don't know, I'd, I, I probably should have checked it. I probably should have checked the percentage that I give. If you're not the amount of money, but the percentage I give. And, and, and I don't know what it would be. Probably, it's a guess, the last time I checked, probably 13, 14% of my income is probably what I give away. It's probably somewhere in that ballpark. It, it might be 15, I don't know. But, but the question is, it's not 10. It, it, it's probably in that ballpark. And, and I don't say that because I, I want you to duplicate that. I just say that because I want you to understand when I talk about giving, I talk about it from a perspective of somebody who does it. And I know I'm the pastor, I get that. I, I, I get it. But I'm also asking, God, what could happen? What, what could happen if we all stepped up in some way? Look, we, we've given you a card this morning, and it's a next step card, and it just says, hey, my next step is I'm going to start giving at some level. Checkbox. You can fill this out. You don't have to fill this out. Whatever. We'd like to have some idea that, you know, start giving proportionally. You know, the idea is 10%. But if you start giving at 5%, I, you know, like, start there. I love it. Like, start there. Give above your tithe. I'm just going to give something above my tithe. I'm going to give $50 more per month than I currently give. And, and I think those are kind of some next steps. And you can kind of look at that and go from there. What we're gonna, not going to do... Um, is, you know, if you want to put your name on it, and, and fine, you can fill it out and turn it in. Um, if, you, if you don't, it's okay. If you need a pen, I, it looks like those guys are getting pens together for you, because, man, they're on the ball. Look at that. I mean, it's amazing. I didn't even tell them to do that. Um, and you can hand it to one of them, put it in there. They'll have an offering bag or something by the door. You can just slip it in there as you walk out. And just, just asking. Look, one of the things that I stepped into this weekend thinking and across our campuses that, you know, if we had 50 people, 50 families, said, you know what, I'm going to give $50 a month more than I'm currently giving, it would be like a great start. Okay? Just more, and, and, and just let God speak and, and do that. I'm not asking you to do anything that God doesn't speak into your heart. Okay? So when I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, then I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to walk away. And I'm just going to let God speak, because I believe he does. And so if that's the case, I just want you to open your heart and say, oh, Lord, what, what would you have me to do? Look at it. And I believe that God's going to do some great things through us. He already has. He's going to continue to do them. Um, so let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day.
thank you, God, for uh, your rich generosity. And Lord, I, I'm so grateful for your word and, and, and what you teach us. And Lord, I pray, that God, that, that everybody in this room and across our campuses as we're talking about this today, that Lord, they would understand the heart of what we're trying to accomplish. And Lord, that we're just trying to make people aware that, that, that you are gracious, generous God. And you gave Jesus to die on a cross that we could experience life and life eternal. And Lord, I pray this morning that God in this room and, and God that you would just speak to our hearts and we would commit to giving. I pray, God, that you would bless and you'd accomplish your work in our lives. And Lord, that we would start to see what could happen through a fully engaged group of people who surrender everything to you and just say, Lord, have your way with my finances and my resources, and Lord, do what you want to do. And God, I pray your blessing. And Lord, I pray you administer your grace. And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.